Let's ask the Lord to just cover us. We only have a few minutes for a message, so it'll be a few minutes message. And uh, we do want to have time for communion today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings you've brought to this house. We thank you, Father, for the, the visitors that have come, Lord, to, to stir up our spirits. We thank you, Father, that we're one kingdom, one mighty God. We ask you, Lord, to guide us, and it's not so much quantity as it is what you have for us. One word, one word, that you spoke into being the entire universe, Father. So we thank you for that word this morning. We thank you to bless those who've joined us online and wherever they're at, everywhere. We thank you for that, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I don't have time to give you a review of the place of next. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're watching online or visiting, to go and, and uh, uh, watch those YouTubes. Catch up with us. This journey began 100 days before the first of the year. God has been faithful. Everything that we've called has occurred. Uh, you'll remember that um, uh, we were actually the first uh, in the church to come out on Charisma and expose the COVID, came out of this little house. Um, we were the first to declare that the spirit of lawlessness was about to release in the land that it did three days later. We have declared that there will be a mighty shift in September. Some others have now echoed and affirmed that. We're not sure what it is, but it's coming probably close to Sukkot, maybe in the middle of September, and that that shift is going to really change the dynamics of what's going on in the earth right now. We have been on a journey. The Lord showed us that we came to the place of next, and we've spent a long time analyzing what that means. And we have been echoing that in our Tuesday night uh, prayer time. And uh, how many of you uh, have participated in Tuesday night <coughs> and if you haven't, please catch up with it because this is a fluid uh, journey as we go forward. The Lord had called us to eight weeks, and uh, we're realizing now, he said, in those eight weeks, we would then be those who experience the fruit. And we've begun to experience the fruit and to see what it is. Very quickly, we realized that the, the idea of the place of next that we can bring heaven to earth, correct? We can bring heaven to earth, even as the prayer says, that I pray that we bring heaven to earth. And in so doing, we received the revelation about Christ's word that he gave in Matthew when he talked about having many rooms. His father has many rooms, many blessings, many places um, that we would not only receive when we are in the heavenly place, but that he said he would come to us and so with that end, we have begun to ask the Lord, what are those rooms in our place of next? And uh, before we could enter in, the Lord paused us on last Tuesday, and he gave us the caution of the, of the, the, caution of the spies that went into the promised land. And when they went into the promised land, they were not uh, prepared, and they did not persevere and hold on to the promise of God. And because of that, the promise was what? Squandered. It was, it was stalled. It was held back. So with that being said, we need to be very careful as we enter in and prepare ourselves to do so. Uh, we also understood and learned that besides having many rooms there, that Christ said he will come again and receive us unto himself. We have determined 
the entire DDA of this house, of this apostolic ministry, while we align with our brothers and sisters for the things that are going on in the earth, we have a very peculiar calling, a very unique assignment, and that is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Why do I say it's peculiar and unique? Because that has been the shield that has been held up since 1980 when the Lord called me out of the Jewish temple. And that has been the call and the anxious waiting. Now, there are some who are beginning to say they're preparing the way, and we're always preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. But the Lord has put deep in my spirit, and and what we are pronouncing and announcing is we need to be preparing to prepare the way. To just assume that we're prepared, um, I think, is, is a little bit arrogant in our Christian faith. It's a little bit arrogant in putting, if you will, the cart before the hearse because we don't know what the Lord has, but it's going to come suddenly. And so all of this is geared towards preparing to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. We understand and, and, and claimed through Romans that when God calls, first you're predestined and then you're called. Once you're called, you're justified. Once you're justified, if we combine it with other scriptures, sanctified and then glorified, that in that basis you have been equipped. You have been equipped and qualified to do what God has called his kingdom, his church to do in the present now. It's not our qualification to repeat Azusa Street. Azusa Street came and went. That was its time. It's not our qualification and equipping to to repeat a Pentecostal movement or a charismatic movement or any movement. There is a new movement. It's not even the movement that came through with Edgar Wagner and started into the prophetic and in the apostolic. This is a kingdom movement. This is the time when we have one foot in the church age and another one in the kingdom age. Nobody has had their foot like that except Jesus until this generation. And the Lord says this generation shall not pass until it sees the fulfillment of what God has come to do. I believe with every fiber of my body, every breath that I take, that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. I believe some of you and many of you shall see him return. And so this house has a clarion call, and that is to prepare the way of the Lord, but also to be preparing to prepare the way of the Lord. And that's what he has called us into. We understand there are birth pains. The Lord said there were birth pains. We would know them, Matthew 24, that would come upon the earth. They've been coming a while, the famines, the pestilence. Now the apostasy that's coming forward. And when we declared, we didn't bring it into being. We foresaw it, the lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness. We transformed into another epic era of this time of preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Because preparing the way for the coming of the Lord must prevail, must persevere through tremendous lawlessness, tremendous chaos, tremendous darkness, tremendous apostasy. And what I want to focus on for just a glimpse, and I hope to embellish it more Tuesday and next Sunday if the Lord allows me to, is I want to focus the most right now on a lost, sick and dying church. Unfortunately, if you have to sit and characterize the vast body of Christ, no matter what the denomination, no matter what they declare, if they declare Christ as Lord, unfortunately, the vast majority, if I were to put a percentage on it, I would have to tell you over 85 to 90% of what I perceive in the earth today is sick. 
And I would have to tell you it's more sick in this country than it is around the other parts of the world where there is an awakening going on. It just shows you the Western arrogance that we have. We, we say and we lift our, our banner to Pakistan. Anwar Fazal with us and, and we give a shout out to Anwar. They're still, they're still sheltered in. He can't have church yet. Maybe not until October, but yet there's a revival there. And, and there's a revival in Iran with Monty Irfan. Those are the people connected with this ministry. The people we are connected with, we're having an awakening around the world. We're having an awakening in, in, in the worst parts of Africa where our Touch Heaven churches are. In the southern part of India where Andhra Pradesh is, we're having an awakening. Beloved, we're declaring an awakening and waiting for it, but it's already manifested. And, and I'm going to tell you why it isn't manifesting in this country, because there's not enough repentance of the apostles, prophets, and pastors. We need to be on our knees and repenting, not only for ourselves and for our own misguidance, and building our own ministries, and prophesying those things that we want to happen, but we need to also repent for the body of Christ. We love that scripture, if my people called by name will humble themselves. We say it. But we don't do it. We don't do it. And so we look for buzzwords. We look for buzzwords in the Western ministry. We want to go the extra step of the other person behind us so we have something else to lure people into. But Christ said, as we discovered Tuesday night to the church of Philadelphia in Revelation, he said, I will make you a magnet. And the people of the house of Satan will come to you and they'll worship at your feet. Not worship you, worship him. Not because we have our own ambitions, not because we have our own revelations, not because we're building something other than what other people are building, but because we're building the kingdom of God. And that's what God is calling people to. And we need to prepare ourselves in order to prepare. We need to be those who are willing to grasp the moment. We had it on the board big. Tuesday night, 2 Timothy, itchy ears. There's a spirit that's been loosed in the church, and especially in the Western church. And this spirit found its way because whatever happens when there's a genuine thing of God that happens, there's a counterfeit move of the devil. How many of you know that? How many of you know that you expect when God is moving genuinely, you can expect the devil to try to counterfeit it? He is known as an angel of right. And who is the light? Who's the way, the truth, and the life, and the light out of darkness? Jesus Christ. And so he comes and he counterfeits these things. And so no wonder that the prophetic and the apostolic is scoffed by many in religion and certainly scoffed by those that don't even love or know God because we've allowed it to be scoffed. We've made spectacles of the gifts of God. We've promoted them. We've sold them. We've marketed them. We've advertised them. We've looked for different adjectives to call them. And when that adjective's not enough, somebody comes up with another adjective to move upon it. Beloved, God is not mystical. God is holy. God is more than supernatural. He's the all in all. There's a lot that's supernatural. We've got to get off of the buzzwords and get back to where the feet hit the ground. And it's not because we'll lose our salvation in it. We lead people the wrong places. And they get lost in the way because their foundation isn't strong. 
I asked you and I told you that I wanted to share a vision that was so clear to me, it set my path some years back. As I was moving and transforming from being the senior English pastor at El Rey Jesus in Miami with Guillermo Maldonado, and as God was preparing us to come here and to plant this work in the middle of, of Ohio, in Canfield, Ohio, I'd love to be where, I, I don't want to be anywhere else but here. Took us out of a big church. Thousands of people in my services, thousands, and sent us here with four or five people meeting us in the hallway with our eyes bleeding from mildew. We could barely breathe. The fallen ceilings and the warped pews and mold throughout the house. And God said, rebuild it. Don't tear it down. Rebuild it. And now I understand why, because there's a foundation here. It's a spiritual foundation. See, people get it so wrong when they say it's not so much the church. Why do we limit God? Why would we say to God that the presence, the decoration, the things of the church aren't important to God? Who dare say that? My God who decorated the temple decorated every piece of it. He designed it with excellence. He made sure holy hands were dealing it and ministering it. Those chairs should be holy when you sit upon them. This morning, the first thing I did when I got here early is I walked through these chairs and I asked the Lord to receive us as a holy convocation because words, mere words, mean nothing without the anointing and the precious of God. We realized as we entered into our place of next there are three grand suites. God the Father, Master Suite. Jesus Christ, master suite. Holy Spirit, master seat. And the Lord cried out to us and he said, Son, starting with you and my people, spend more time in the suites with me. Less time, itchy ears. We can run all about with itchy ears and never accomplish anything. I could prophesy from the highest mountain, but if the feet don't hit the road, Nothing is accomplished. One of the things I just finished writing was, it's great to go and receive glimpses of heaven. I love it. Who doesn't love that? Who doesn't see a glimpse of heaven? Something in the heavenlies, a mystery, a revelation that God gives us. It's exciting. It's agitating in your spirit. It's, it's a provocation. It's enlightening. It's lifting. It fills your spirit. But if we can't bring it to earth, and give it a practical reason, what is it? It's lost in the supernatural. What good is it? What good is it? What good is it? It's one of those vivid dreams. How many of you have had a vivid dream compared to a dream dream? A vivid dream where you knew that you knew that you knew you were in the presence of God. You knew that you knew that you knew that something very, very special was being imprinted and downloaded into your spirit. And sometime in some place in the middle of that, you weren't sure whether you were still in the dream or somewhere else. And as you started to come to, you realized that something very special had been shown. That's what happened. Some of you have heard it a little bit, but I, I want to impress it upon us in the little time I have left. And we'll build on it, Lord willing.
It was so vivid. I found myself on the top of a high place. Now, I don't know if that was the Lord humbling me and telling me, don't think high of myself. Why are you laughing? Or I don't know if he was taking me above the fray. But I do know this, it was a high place. And I could see that there was the end of a path and a road and it ended into the most lush scene that I'd ever seen. A natural scene, a meadow. And that meadow had carpets of flowers just coming up, natural flowers, wildflowers, all kind of flowers, small, short, different colors, blooming, perfectly arrayed. It looked like a canvas. And it merged into a, a green, lush, forested system. The trees were perfect. They complemented each other. And I noticed looking at them that all the leaves and the firs and everything about it were perfect. And I wondered about it. And then as if framing it was the most ultramarine blue sky. It was gorgeous. And you couldn't tell where the scenery stopped and the sky began, where the horizon was. It was a 3D appearance. And it was as if I was looking out, but looking down. Looking through my eyes and looking through his eyes. I can't explain it any better than that. And then I felt the beckoning say, come, come. And I kept my eyes gazed on that scenery and I started down off the top without looking down at my feet and all of a sudden I stumbled upon something and I tripped and I fell backwards to catch my balance and then I looked down and I was horrified. There was a man, bald, naked, his skin was pale. I knew he was anemic. He wasn't clothed. He looked up at me and his eyes were hollowed out. They remind me of the horrified pictures of people that were in the Holocaust in the starvation camps. I immediately began to tremble and despair in my spirit. What is this? What happened to you? And his hands went like this to me. And I realized he was crying out to me to help him. But I didn't know how. I took my gaze back up to the promise. And again, my spirit began to fill back up and I began to walk towards it. And I felt the beckoning. And I took a little bend in the road. And then I stumbled again. And this time, it was a woman. Bald. Naked. Anemic. Pale. And her eyes looked even more desperate than the man that I'd left behind. My spirit began to cry out. I began to get crushed. I went to reach a hand 
and she didn't have enough energy to touch my hand. I then let my gaze follow the path and the road, and I saw littered upon it, naked, sick, abandoned, orphaned people. And the Lord said to me, Son, you must have a heart to prepare the way. You must have a heart. And then I realized, I realized what Jesus spoke in Revelation. Revelation, the church of Laodicea. Naked, unclothed, wretched, poor. And I began to repent. Because I said, Lord, we're the ones who lost them. These are your children. We've been feeding them the wrong stuff. We want to impress them so much with the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the prophecies, the apostolic. I got it all. I understand it. We fail to love them. We fail to nourish them. To prepare the way of the Lord. we don't first die unto ourselves completely, we're not qualified. It's a house, it's a ministry with many gifts. We're an apostolic house, we're a prophetic house. But I've said it once and I'll say it over and over. Unless we have the grace of the Father, all of that is useless. It's nothing, nothing, nothing. The same words for grace come out in love, Cheris. The love and the grace. That's sick, ill, lost church. That's what God sees. We get excited about souls getting saved and what do we save them into? The business of the ministry. Prophetic words that they can't understand. Apostolic calls that they don't even know what it means. The competition who does it better, who does it stronger, who's accepted, who's not accepted. Those lost and dying people. The gate is not wide. That means not many people go through the gate at once. 
If we're going to take people on the way, we'd better be on the way ourselves and then reach hand by hand, pull them through, walk with them, guide them, feed them, nourish them, defend them. Narrow is the way. Beloved, we're in that season that's just about to break out on the earth. It's not going to be pretty for some, and I'm not talking about the secular world now. I'm talking about the body of Christ. It's just about ready to break out. It's not Azusa Street again. It's not the revivals of past. It's starting in the churches. The only way the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God is when the body of Christ comes to respect the glory of God. The glory of God's not a thing. The glory of God is not a commodity. The glory of God is more than an experience. It's the very essence of who God is. It's who He is. And here we sit in our pompous arrogance, one foot in the world, one foot in the Lord. Something on Sunday morning and something else on Sunday night. we come and we say, Lord, let your glory fall in all your fullness. And the Lord says, oh no, I would kill you if I did. The world didn't understand who Jesus was until he crucified, died, descended into hell and resurrected then they understood the resurrected Jesus the world's going to understand the glory of God when the church is crucified pays its price and ascends back up again pure how should we be praying forgive us Lord we can pray about all of the other causes We can pray about all of the other things. And you know there are several that are dear to my heart. I'm not even going to start listing them. There's not a day that goes by, multiple times a day, I don't leave those at the altar of God. But first and foremost, we need to pray for a bride to be prepared for Christ. And it starts with us. It starts with me. time that Ezekiel prophesied. Ezekiel 34, go home and read it. He said, I'm going to take my people, my cattle, away from the yoke of the false shepherds and prophets that feed themselves of my people. 
And it's so bad from what the Lord sees, that lush meadow I saw. That lush meadow is for the people of the kingdom of God. That lush meadow wasn't my promise alone. That lush meadow with all of its color and its fragrances and its beauty is for the least of the least, the poorest of the poor, the wretched of the wretched, the lost of the lost. It's for them to be able to go as Ezekiel saw and to come charging through the gate, the narrow gate, broken horns, bleeding from the yokes that had to be broken off of the pastors, prophets, and apostles that are feeding themselves of the people. Ezekiel was so disgusted in the spirit of the Lord, he cried out and he said, and they don't even leave a residue for the people of God. They take it all for themselves and then trample upon it with their feet while they run to the next pasture. But God said, that day's coming. Beloved, you want to hear prophecy today? It's coming sooner than you think. I know one time I was raised a lot of eyebrows releasing the message of the glory in Jerusalem in 1994. And I said, even though I was the keynote speaker at the ICJ for that, I said, I cannot join you and ask for the fullness of the glory of God to fall. It will kill all of us in here. We're not ready for it. We're not holy enough. I said, if you're going to pray that way, be comforted to know I'm asking the Lord to hold it back. The Ananias and Sapphira thing is real, beloved. That's real. That happened with a saved church. That happened with a spirit-filled church. That happened in the house of the apostles. It's a real thing. How holy do we need to be? How holy do we need to be? Sold out. Sold out. Sold out. Surrender. We need to be strong enough and bold enough, no matter who it is and where it is, to say, I'm sorry, I, I can't partake of that with you. Even if it's in this house. We need to stand up and say no. 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 Finally this. We'll deal with this more. I'll get into detail. I have a lot of it I want to share. Jesus said, in essence, I am the key of David. I open a door and no one can shut it. I shut a door, no one could open it. Hmm. Being a gatekeeper is a very, very holy responsibility. A gatekeeper determines what comes in and out of the door. First, the gatekeeper of ourselves, our eyes, our ears, our spirit, our mouths, our minds, 
and then the gatekeepers for others. Others who don't have the discernment, they don't have the training, they don't have the faith. They're just raw, somewhat like Peter was when Jesus found him, just raw. Do we want to be and are we prepared to be gatekeepers on the straight and narrow path? I leave you with that question. I'm pushing on. I'm crying down. I'm pressing in. I'm dying. I'm surrendering. I know no other way. Jesus is coming. I'd like us to take a moment and prepare for communion. I know I went a little long. I apologize. But we want to have communion today together. And as we've often said here, communion is certainly more than a ritual. Communion is literally, literally in the fellowship with Jesus Christ and the Father through the Holy Spirit. As we prepare our hearts for communion together, would you do this, please? Would you take a moment and just reflect on what you've heard? Short but heavy message. I'm the first one to confess to you that you can find somewhere else to go and almost weekly receive a nice motivational talk. You can come out feeling a little better about them when you walked in. That's a choice we all make. Sometimes that happens here. My intent is not to leave you depressed at all. But, a writer that I appreciate a lot, most of what he wrote, Spurgeon. He said, if all you get out of a message is a commendation, then the preacher missed his mark. Because you know what that means? I tell you what it means for me. If I do not submit and practice myself to be corrected every day in the Word of God and in the Spirit of God, then I am not worthy to preach His Word to you. So what I bring to you, I am the first one to eat. Not mere words. Not itchy ears. You can get itchy ears all over the place. I could make some good recommendations of some places for you to go in the area, get some great itchy ears. Turn on 
television, get all the itchy ears you want. But if we don't come together and get our hearts right before God, and if I don't bring a message of correction with edification, then I'm not worthy to preach the message. The good news, you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You can't earn it, you can't lose it, but you can squander it. I'm not going to get into you, once saved, always saved, I'm not going there. But I will tell you this, many great people of God have squandered what God has given them. And if you don't believe me, read what Jesus said. I don't know you, but I taught great messages. I revealed things that hadn't been revealed. I healed so many people. I had great prophecies, wonderful words of knowledge. Jesus said, I don't know you. I don't know you. I want to be known of God. How many of you want to be there that day that he says, well done, my faithful son, my faithful daughter. You have overcome. You have persevered. You have known my name and kept my name. And when you were weak, I made you stronger. It's all there. And you held on to the very end. You made it. That's what it's about in this Christian walk we live in today. It's about making it. I'd love to tell you that name it, claim it, all the stuff we've seen. But you got to make it now. We got to make it through. And we've got to be strong enough to help other people to make it through. Believing everything that we believe, but we've got to make it through. We have to overcome is the word. And then there's all kind of promises for the overcomer. That's who we are. That's the time that we've been born into.